ready for some word today? Yes. All right, let's do it. Uh, why don't you go ahead and roll it? Yeah. If you have your Bible with you today, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is the text for our current series called Fight Training. If you're new with us, uh, then welcome to part six or round six. And uh, we're going to get into some good things today. The scripture uh, that we have based this upon is 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12. So let's look at that. Everybody got it? Yeah. <laughs> Say amen if you have it. Amen. Say oh me if you don't. All right. I can wait. That's long enough. <laughs> 1 Timothy 6, 12 uh, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. A very real element of the Christian life that some have either neglected or they just weren't aware of is the fact that part of this is a fight. It's not all just passive and just accept whatever happens. Uh, the belief that God determines every outcome is incorrect. Uh, you know, to, th to think that everything that happens to me is somehow God's will is not scripturally accurate. There is something about fighting. That means I'm not going to get and, and, and experience certain things, even that are from God, unless I lay hold of them, unless I grab them, unless I, uh, unless I fight for them. There are things in life worth fighting for. Some of them are spiritual in nature. They're unseen, but they eventually produce seen and tangible realities. Let, let me remind you of this uh, same verse from the W.E. translation. Uh, not the W.W.E. <laughs> just the... <laughs> All right. Uh, just the first part here. Notice, work hard at believing in God more and more. Work hard at believing. So... So that's part of, of our responsibility, and it shows us where our energies should go. We are to work for something, not work for salvation, not work for God's blessings, but work to keep ourselves in a position of faith, all right? And, and that's not, again, automatic. Just because, uh, you know, someone believes in God, they say, well, how can I not believe in God? That, that's, to say it in that way is just such a low bar. James wrote uh, to the believers, the book of James, he said, demons believe and tremble. So, good, you're at the level of demons. Yeah. I believe in God. We've got to take it a little bit deeper than that and believe specific things that he said. Believe what he said will come to pass. Believe in the covenant. There's just a lot of elements there that you can do, but it's going to take a little bit of effort to work at keeping yourself in in faith, in believing, all right? In this world, the way things are going, it's more difficult because we have so many voices coming at us. So many things on our phone, on television, to watch. And all, a, a good majority of that drains faith rather than feeds faith. And so we're all consuming probably some degree of it, unless you live in a cave. We're, we're consuming some of that, so we have to do what's necessary to keep ourselves strong in this area. You know, it, it's possible for someone to be in a certain place spiritually and in faith at one point in their life and later 
actually have decreased. I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'm just talking about you may have been strong in trusting God in a certain area. You built your faith. You meditated on the word. You, 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 know, you, you spoke the promises of God. And then later you, you realize, I haven't done that in months. I haven't really meditated on the word, spoke the word of God in, in years. Uh, and you think in your head, you, you think, well, I still believe the same things. I still have faith in those same, th same things. Yeah, you mentally assent to their reality. But in, in truth, when you go to fight, your punches are now weak. Okay, it, it, this, takes a, this takes maintenance. It takes continual attention for us to do this. And so uh, uh, what we need to do is first and foremost is get in faith and then learn that we need to stay in faith. Well, I received a miracle. I received an answer to prayer. When was that? I mean, good for you. Awesome. Way to go. Praise God. When was that? Four years ago. Okay, good for you. Don't forget about it. Keep that, keep that in your, your praise belt, so to speak. But what's going on now? Are you not getting answers? Are you not receiving from God? And, and if not, maybe do what you did back then and get yourself in that position. Listen, it's, a, it's entirely possible for someone to believe for a minute and then unbelieve the rest of the day. Sometimes it happens in services like this. The word goes out, the music is good, the presence of God manifests, and people are like, yeah, I can do it. I believe God. He's fixing my family, fixing my money, fixing my health. He's working. I just trust God. I'm just in a good place. Man, my, my hopes are up. I have a great expect, expectation for a brighter tomorrow. And then 10 minutes after you leave, <laughs> what are we going to do? You know, next bad report comes or a symptom or some, there's an argument in the car on the way home and all of a sudden uh, the, the faith fight goes into flesh fight. Hallelujah. All right, so if you've had prayers answered, good for you. If you've seen your mountain move, good for you. Uh, keep meditating on the Word. Keep speaking the Word of God. And let's not go backwards in faith. Amen. I want to I share uh, today two primary strategies that Satan uses uh, to defeat us. Remember, he can't really because he's the one who's already defeated you know, the game is rigged in our favor by what Jesus did on the cross and his subsequent resurrection. Nevertheless, the practical outworking of that needs our involvement. And uh, so Satan still fights against us in this way. Uh, we've already said it. He fights uh, to get us out of faith. He can't win the faith fight. So we have to get out of faith. We have to believe something wrong or believe something less, or continually live with questions, uncertainties, wavering, doubting, going back and forth. That's the only way he has any kind of inroad into our lives to steal, kill, and destroy. All right. So if you would, turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. If you're new to the Bible, Genesis is the very first book. It means beginnings. Genesis chapter 3. Let me just tell you what the first one is. He, his strategy is to get people to question God's word. He will work day and night to get you, to get me, to question God's word. It's been his strategy from the very beginning. Of course, Adam and Eve were given the, the instruction to 
live life and eat and enjoy all the fruit and the bounty of God's creation except for one tree. The Lord said, don't touch that one. Genesis 3, 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? That's the phrase right there. Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every uh, tree of the garden? That strategy is what he still uses today. Like I said, he, he hasn't changed. He seeks to undermine the word of God. God said, God has spoken, we have recording of it, but he wants you and I to question it, be uncertain about it, have, I don't know if that's true, if it's real. And, and some, of the, some of the thoughts, I say thoughts, some of the thoughts come just directly, I guess. Many of them come through other people, through uh, people who have dismissed God's word and they sow seeds of doubt into people. Happens in the universities regularly. You turn on the television, you're going to have to really have your, 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 you know, your face shield up. Because everything is, so much of it is designed to get you to question the written word of God. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a satanic strategy because it's the only thing Satan can't beat. He cannot beat the word. What God said overpowers him. When what he said is believed by us and spoken and acted on by us, then we are super dominant in, 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 in this contention. Okay? And, and so I was thinking about how he does that, and I thought, well, he does this on two levels, what I would call a macro level and then a micro. All right? On a, on a, on a big scale level, thoughts come that, and I say they come, they come to people, they come through people, to get us to question the validity of the scriptures. That Bible that you carry, you know, is unreliable, people say. Or it has changed. It's not really what was originally written. Or the Catholics changed it many years ago. And uh, to, to, you know, to control people. And I thought about that one. I thought, well, actually, I think the Catholics hid it from people. Many years ago, the, the average person couldn't even read the Bible, right? So they weren't trying to use it to, uh, in that way. But none, none, of the, none of those things are true. Or, or the, the Bible's full of contradictions. Actually, it's not. And, but these little thoughts get people to, when they read, they wonder, ah, yeah, but is that true? Can I trust that? Can I rely upon that? Of course Satan will do that. What if eternal life is found in there? What if your healing is there? What if wisdom that will guide your life is there? What if you'll use those words and draw close to God, have a relationship with the Father? Well, then that's what you've got to attack. And again, you know, the thoughts of it's not accurate and valid. A lot of that went out the window a number of years ago when archaeologists dug up the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then, lo and behold, look at that. What was written thousands of years ago, it's the same thing that we have today. And so all, you know, people have been lying and just deceiving, and yet there was that evidence. I mean, I find it interesting, even if I never had archaeological evidence or proof from that standpoint of the validity of God's Word, I've come too far in knowing it works and it's accurate because when I preach it and when I speak it, things change. It's like, how does that work if this is not real? How do I see, I preach a word, someone lays hold of it, and their life is turned around. 
I speak the word, I've seen cancers leave. Speak the word, I act on this word of God, this unreliable word of God, and alcoholics are set free. I mean, what? If it's like, if it's not true, I might have to just go with it anyway, because it's working. <laughs> you know, when I act on that, my life is better. Yeah. When, I, when I set it aside, things go south. Yeah. It's a pretty easy uh, deception to, uh, to, to expose. Yeah. On, on, a, on a micro level, uh, he often comes at people in this way, if they're, let's say, needing healing, healing in their body. Just different thoughts come. Well, healing, you know, healing doesn't mean like healing. I mean, that word doesn't mean that. It's spiritual. You can't apply that to your body. <laughs> you know, you're, uh, <laughs> um, God meeting, you know, God, Scripture said God will supply all your needs. You know, Paul said that. God will meet all, all your needs, right? Well, that's spiritual need. That doesn't mean like with your bills. That doesn't mean like to help you out, get out of debt. It's just he'll meet your spiritual needs like love, peace. It's just a little question he wants to sow to get people to in, in, basically out of the faith fight and into the realm of reasoning. And, and I say that in the realm of reasoning. Let me, let me, let me clarify. Uh, Human reasoning should not be exalted above God's reasoning. Yeah. Nevertheless, it's remarkable to me how, many, how much reasoning is totally illogical that only happens in church. You've got smart people, educated people. They know how to, you know, come to some conclusions that are logical until they come into church. And now all of a sudden healing doesn't mean healing anymore. Now God meeting your needs, all of a sudden, remove that from life. That's just spiritual. <laughs> you, think, you don't do this out there. Why would you do it in here? But it's the enemy's strategy to twist this, to, to just take the punch out of God's word so it doesn't produce real life results. You know, you'll be healed in heaven. No, you won't. No one gets healed in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. How could healing be limited to heaven uh, or reserved for heaven when there's no need for it there? Well, God will meet your needs there. No, he won't. There's no need there. There's no need to meet. Come on. That's good. Hallelujah. So the devil's strategy is to provoke questions and thoughts about what God said or what he will do. You know, is it God's will? Is it God's timing? Is there a secret purpose for this in your life? You know, a secret purpose for your suffering? Is God allowing this for a reason? Is this punishment for my sin? All these thoughts are designed to do what? Get us out of the arena of faith. We go into question mode. And again, I say this, it's unfortunate, but this has been sown into doctrines of church, churches. Where they hold to it, they write it down. Sometimes use scriptures. But Satan used scriptures, I'll get to that in a moment. At times. If it takes away from our absolute confidence in God's word, it is, it is demonic in origin. It's to make our faith punches weak. I'm not sure. 
boop, I don't really know. Lord, I just put this in your hands. Bam. And the enemy has his way in this regard. You might recall that when Jesus, right before he went to heaven, he gave the disciples the great commission, go into all the world, so forth, preach the gospel. He said these signs will follow those who believe. Mark chapter 16, and he gave those signs. And, and after that, the very last verse of Mark 16 says they went out everywhere, went out and preached everywhere. The Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. Confirmed what? Word. Where did the signs come from? They spoke the word, and God said yes. They spoke the word, and God had something to use. What if they didn't speak the word? God wouldn't have anything to confirm. What if we don't speak the word? He still doesn't have anything to confirm. Why is there a lack of signs and wonders in the church world today? It's got to make people make them wonder what they're preaching. Have we watered this thing down? You ever been to a, you know, a hotel breakfast and you went to get the orange juice and you went to drink it and it was like, they must be running low. Someone added some water. You ever been to church? <laughs> Thought, oh, someone's running low on word. Because here they go, inserting all this doubt and unbelief and questions and it just doesn't taste right. And it also doesn't produce results. The Lord works with, works with his word. He confirms that. If I see a lack of activity of God in my life, I should very logically conclude I may be neglecting God's word or believing something other than what he said. Listen, if we don't intentionally put God's word into our lives on a regular basis, there's no doubt that uh, it, is, it is insufficient in supply. Because everything we see on our phones and TV and conversations and in the world is all being sown into our hearts. I mean, I wonder if we didn't read the word at least some every day, we're at a deficit. And then we go to fight the good faith fight and boop, we're hitting them with politics. Because that's what we see on the news. Amen. Amen. I'm not saying you can't watch that. I'm just saying don't keep the word in an insufficient supply. Right? That's what God confirms. He, amen. He confirms his word. He doesn't confirm a word that's compromised. He doesn't confirm our thoughts. He doesn't confirm our feelings. Well, I just feel like well, you're going to do that on your own because God's not going to get involved with you if you just feel like. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Faith will defeat all attacks. And this is why Satan can only try to get to us by uh, getting us to not use our faith. He can't withstand a faith punch. Okay, they are lethal to his plan. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, faith is likened unto a shield. A shield like the Roman, the Roman uh, soldiers would use to fend off attacks of the enemy. In fact, put that verse up. Above all, taking the shield of faith which, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Do you notice that word all? Yeah. He, you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts. All the fiery darts. 
That means Satan has zero chance and you have a 100% chance of victory in your life if you keep your faith shield up. So if you're the devil, what do you try to do? Throw a stronger dart? Throw more fiery darts? No. It's not about the greater attack or the more attack. It's just I have to try to convince that person to put their shield down. That's the battle right there. If he can get us to put our shield down, the darts hit us. But if we will be wise and say, no, the word of the Lord abides forever. I choose to believe that and nothing less than that. Our shield is up and the devil can't do anything to get us. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? Man, I, I have that first point and it's almost like that could be a series. But for now, take it for what it's worth and let's do number two. Number two strategy of the enemy is it, it, it's connected to it. I guess it relates, but he create to create doctrines against faith. One of his strategies is to create doctrines. Doctrines are teachings, but they're 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 beliefs that are held up by individuals, by groups, and if you can get it, uh, almost like in a church's constitution so to speak, you know, uh, if you can get it in someone's statement, this is what I embrace, this is what I hold to, and it contradicts the word, then you've won. Because then people on a broad scale will believe feelings and circumstances and other, other beliefs over what is precisely God's word. So it's been sown into seminaries, it's been sown into different groups and denominations, and there are, there are parts of the body of Christ, and, uh, and, and listen, everyone in the body, we love them all, we're one, we're already un- perfectly united with them in Christ. I'm not, I'm not taking salvation away from anybody, but there are whole groups that, that teach things that, that miracles aren't for today. And some of us, you think, how can they even believe that? Can't they just look around? Come, come to testimony time. Yeah. Nevertheless, it's taught. I, I know many believers who, who uh, are in, in groups that preach that. Personally, they don't believe it. But still, that doctrine, it seeps in and it causes question. Well, maybe this is not real. Well, have you ever seen a healing? And many of us, of course, have. But some, some would say, well, I haven't. So I don't really know. And that, that thought brings the shield down. That thought removes the ability to win the faith fight. In truth, there's always an ex- extreme to every true position. Something is revealed by God in his word, and it is truth. It is, it is what gives someone victory when they believe it. There's always going to be a ditch. You know, the road, and you got the ditch on both sides of the road. There's always going to be those who are pushed to one extreme or the other. One extreme would be they take it too far and they misapply and they add to what the scriptures say. The other extreme backs off of it completely. They don't want anything to do with it. They, uh, those who get in this ditch over there, they're always pointing at these people. There's, you're an extremist, you're an extremist. And they're looking at you and saying, you don't believe anything. Right, But the reality is, is there's a truth in the middle of the road that we need. And we can't take the pressure from either side. Because this person over here, 
in the extreme, they went too far with it, they say, you're compromising. You're just compromising, compromising the, the scripture. And the person over here says, yeah. And they're looking at, again, the person in the middle of the road and saying, you're one of them. The, often uh, labels get created, these little categories. It, it's, it's interesting that happens in church circles, in spiritual circles, just like it happens in politics. Politics, one of people in, in groups and, and, and this kind of thing. You ever, you ever noticed how in politics, when, they, uh, when someone comes up with a new bill, a new, new legislation, they put a really good name on it? Sometimes it has an awesome name. If you went by the name alone, you would say, pass it. The problem is most people don't read it. And often these things get pushed through. And then when they, I mean, you've heard the stories of these monstrosity bills that get passed and the people who voted for them in the Congress and so forth didn't even read them themselves. They were dumped on them the last day and there was no possible, possibility for them to even read it. Yet it had a good name on it, so... It's, you know, for the people, act. It's to make everyone's life better, act, whatever. <laughs> and it's passed, and, it, and you find out later, when it's too late, yep, that just took money out of my pocket and put it into yours. Yep, that just diminished my life, and yep, someone else has more power now. That kind of stuff. Well, we know how that happens in that world. In the church, similar things happen. Labels get put on people. So that others can say, oh, you're one of those. We want to stay away from that. And what they're doing is someone is in the middle of the road. They're in line with the scriptures. But they're called something that this person over here is. Oh, you're one of those. And then they think, no, I'm not one of those. You're still one of those. I heard that word out of your mouth. You're still one of those. No, I'm not one of those. And before you know it, they're way over here in the ditch. This is where no power exists. This is where there's no confirmation of the gospel. There's no uh, God confirming his word with signs following. In, in the faith realm, that's often how it works. You're one of those faith people. Well, yeah, of course I am. But what do you mean by that? What's in the bill? Let's open this thing up and analyze whether it's true, whether instead of being intimidated into a passive position. Everybody with me today? You could name your title. I don't, you know, sometimes I'm hesitant to throw them out because people have preconceived notions of some of these things. You know, even when some of them, they start in the media. They start in the world and they'll call, uh, they'll call a rich preacher prosperity gospel or something like that. You've heard that one? Okay. Which is not even a thing. But think, th think about it from a, a spiritual standpoint, all right? If Satan is, his entire goal is to get people out of the truth into the extremes, he wants to take that away. If he can get anything that's in the middle labeled by either side as being compromise, extreme whatsoever, then people lose the very punch that knocks him out. He's trying to get the shield down. Oh, you're one of those. So, so, so when it comes to, since I use that example, so when it comes to God's abundant supply or prosperity, as it's called in the scripture, uh, someone could be totally in the middle of the road with that, yet labeled something else. But they don't want to be labeled that, so I'm going to back off from preaching it. 
Who won there? Well, Satan did. Because now you're in debt. Now the gospel's not financed or something like that. And there are extremes where people become money-minded. There are extremes in the, in the healing realm where, you know, parents are maybe praying for their kids, but they're not seeing results, but they refuse to have any kind of medical attention, and they let their kids die. There's extremes like that, and some, some, some little group like that, and then anyone who's in the middle, they get labeled as that. So they go a-running to the inferior, weak, and passive position, and Satan is going, pow, 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 just beating them up all day long. Hallelujah, hallelujah. See if I said anything good in my notes. I remember uh, years ago, uh, I got this message from someone who had visited our church, and because, uh, you know, one of the things we see a lot of is, is healing, and praise God for it. Uh, but this person, they, they, they said, they wrote, they said, what was this business with commanding God to heal people? <laughs> I kind of laughed a little bit. I thought, what? Like, what are you? I thought, oh, I get it. She, we were labeled before you. she even walked into the building. She thought, you're one of something that didn't exist probably. And, uh, and so I, I responded to this person. I, and you might be surprised because I don't really want to argue with people. A part of me does, but I resist. <laughs> <laughs> There's that thing, you know, because you know you can win. But, and <laughs> some, but sometimes that's pride and I don't really want to go there. And I just, told, I, just, I just said to this person, I said, I think you'd, you'd be happier at another church if that's what you thought we did. Because we didn't do anything close to that. But yet it was interpreted through that. I thought, there's, there's colored lenses going on here. And we're trying to be labeled as one of those. And how many know there's a difference between speaking to a disease and commanding God to... to isn't that obvious? Well, that is to me. I guess it wasn't to everybody. And, uh, but, but these kind of things happen. Praise God. Are you still in Genesis? Can I finish over here? Genesis 3. Again... Uh, Satan questioned the word of God. Verse 2, and the woman said to the serpent, uh, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> That's not exactly what God said. That's kind of what God said. It may have been Adam misinterpreted it for her. I don't know. Maybe he thought, woman, don't you even touch that tree. <laughs> but actually the Lord didn't say anything about touching the tree. But also this other language, it looks to me like it got watered down. She said, lest you die. You read what God said in Genesis 2.17. He said, you shall surely die. Surely die turned into, you know, you might die. Perhaps lest you die. And I think that's exactly how the enemy works in people. Get, get, to get us to back off just a little bit. It's like if you were to want to put medicine or something in a, in a dog's food. I mean, no, you don't just give them a bowl of medicine. Right. Hey, Fido, here's your, here's your dinner. Right? No, you got to mix it with some stuff he really likes. 
Yeah, and, and truth, truth when it's being undermined, does not, it's not usually hit a full-on frontal attack. It's seeds of questions, seeds of doubt, seeds of it might not work, not this time, not this way, it's not, it's not accurate, it's, it's not true. And, and, and this was just off a little bit. Basically, it took the punch out of it. And if we water down or back off or entertain these thoughts concerning the clear instruction or promises of God, we're going to end up eating the fruit. We're going to end up seeing, hey, possibly I could do this and get away with it. Or sometimes my prayers, you know, you, you just can't tell. They might, might be a yes, might be a no. And it's just that backing off, taking the absoluteness out of the punch that ruins a, per- a person's faith fight. There is a battle for what we believe. It's a battle for what you believe about eternity, of course. But about the here and now. It's a battle for what you believe, how you're supposed to treat your family. How you're supposed to believe God's promises concerning your, your livelihood and your well-being. It's a faith fight. The specifics really do matter. We should seek accuracy. It, it's like when Jesus uh, said in John John 7, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. How many know if you change the word the to a, it changes the whole book. If he's a way, a truth, and a life is what I mean, instead of the, that changes everything and it's one little word. So that's why we got to seek accuracy, seek to be precise, and, 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 and determine that we're never going to back down. Amen. We're never going to water it down. And the thoughts that come that say, yeah, but that doesn't mean this. Well, look at it again. <laughs> yep, it sure does mean that. That thought did not come from God. Amen. Some of it is not difficult, but he's a conniving jerk. And, <laughs> and, uh, and he just wants to, to steal from people, wants to destroy Understand this, Satan will even use scriptures. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and first to turn the stone into, into bread, and he said it is written, Jesus used God's statements, God's very own word as defense against Satan. And then, so he joined that arena. When he took him up on the pinnacle of the temple, said to jump and said, the angels will catch you. And he quoted Psalm 91. Satan did. Same Psalm 91 that we quote. Satan used it against Jesus. But the Lord's response was interesting. He didn't say, oh, you got me there, I'm jumping. <laughs> he knew he's a conniver and a twister and a manipulator of God's word. So, you know, he, he said, Matthew 4, 7, Jesus said to him, it is written again. Again is the key word. Again, again, again. In other words, you're taking that one and you're setting aside every other verse and you can't do that. The Lord also said this. This is also what is written, and so he was not tricked. Praise God. Praise God. And finally today, look at this verse from 2 Thessalonians. Paul writes here, And with all unrighteousness, unrighteous deception, among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. How would you define a person who is perishing, a person who is not saved, they have rejected not just truth, but the love of the truth. Yeah. 
In other words, they love something in themselves. They love their ideas. They love their tradition. They love their position more than they love truth. That's another series right there. But, but I, I want to challenge you, if you ever find your position, it's like the world today. This is common in our culture. They talk about your truth. Okay, that is not wise language to use. Because you're going to take your opinions and exalt them above the, the word of God, which will void it, which will water it down to the point of ineffectiveness. God will not confirm a changed word. But if we love the truth, we say, you know what? I used to believe this, but wow, look at that right there. It's in the scripture. Wow, look at this. And then we submit our, our beliefs unto God's word, and then he comes, uh, comes in to confirm those words. He's activated when we speak it. So we love the truth more than we love, we love anything else, more than we love our opinions. We love what is true, not what is you or your group, or your church. You say, what about this church? This church too. Love the truth above anything that we have written down or our statements. Hopefully we got them from the same place, but you know, we're not perfect. We always elevate the truth of God's word above everything else. Now, come on. We can fight this good fight of faith. And we can stand and win. Amen. Father, we thank you today for working in here, working in us. Thank you that the word works in our lives. Praise God. The word of the Lord is true. Father, we say with the, with the scriptures, let God be true and every man a liar. We hold on to, we believe in, we commit ourselves to the accuracy and precision of your promises. And the word of the Lord that, that endures forever. That's where we find our place, our security. It's where we find our faith. Hallelujah. We give you all the praise for it. Father, help I pray each and every person not to be intimidated by those who have embraced something other than what is true. Let them hold on to it and see it through to the end. And see that you will back it up. You will confirm it in them. You will show it in, in real life experience to be reality. Oh, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise.